Hey, everybody, welcome to this super short, potentially litigious bonus episode of the podcast. I recently was practically helped by a blog post that was sent to me by a friend. Um, it's a blog post by a psychologist I think is really smart. Her name is Esther Perel. She wrote a book called Mating in Captivity, which has 95% ideas that I think are brilliant and 5% of stuff that makes me go, hmm, let me think about that again. But what I do know is that this blog post that she actually posted like three months ago. So you would think, and it's a COVID related podcast. So you would think it would be totally out of date. But when I found it, when it was sent to me, I found it incredibly relevant. And I started, I thought about just sharing it in an email to those people on the podcast that read the emails when I send them, but I couldn't find a version of it that was very readable. Um, when I download it from her website, it's hard to read. And then I, I looked at it more carefully and realized that there was a lot of stuff in there that I think might almost be off-putting to somebody who's reading it this late in the game. And so I did something that I usually only do for my personal use. And that is I edited it like I was a friend of Esther Perel's. I didn't change any of the ideas, but I, I, I changed a few transitions. I, I cut out a few things. I tried to make it a simpler post. Um, so I would never, I, I'm, I'm even nervous to, to read it. I'm certainly not going to put it on a printed form on the web. I'll, in fact, if you look at the show notes for this episode, I'll send you to the actual post um, on her website. And it's hard for, it was hard for me. Maybe it's just my browser or whatever. It was hard for me to read, but, um, but I'm going to read you my version. Um, so we'll just like, like, we'll consider this like I'm purposely misreading the essay, you know, because people read you stuff on the air all the time and they skip a word or miss a word. And so like, okay, so I'm planning to miss a few words, but I think you'll, I think, I, I hope you find it helpful. It, it was really helpful to me. So without any further ado, and that was enough, more than enough ado, what is this feeling? Bart Campolo's unauthorized edit of an Esther Perel blog post. Social distancing. Flatten the curve. Shelter at home. Six months ago, we had never even heard of these terms. Now they've become defining features of our lives. We've embraced this vocabulary as a means of understanding this surreal period we're living through. In our fight against COVID-19, this new lexicon helps us protect ourselves and survive. As far as I'm concerned, it's high time we expand that lexicon to include our mental health, and especially this strange new undercurrent of constant dread so many of us are feeling. We tend to just call it stress, but in fact, it's a multidimensional phenomenon. I think breaking it down into parts and giving those parts names is crucial to our health, safety, and sanity. We're not working from home, we're trying to adapt to an entirely new worldview while working, learning, teaching, partnering, parenting, and more. 
on top of each other in the midst of a global crisis. We're not tired. We're burned out. We're not waiting for things to return to normal. We're obsessing about what normal will even look like after this. Speaking of which, here's a question. When is after this going to come? What we're dealing with is prolonged uncertainty. The sense that not only are we uncertain, we don't know when our feeling of uncertainty will end. We wonder if we'll be furloughed, face salary reductions, or lose our jobs if we haven't already. We wonder when we can safely leave our homes, see our loved ones, and go back to the places and activities that color our daily lives. We miss our favorite barista, our hairdresser, that waiter who always remembers us. If I can't sufficiently support the neighborhood joints I love, will they disappear? Can I take another day of teaching my kid when this style of learning doesn't mesh well with them? Will the news ever give me a break? Will I ever stop being so frozen with fear and anxiety? We're also dealing with loss on a massive, ubiquitous scale. But it's not simply, I had X and now it's gone. It's ambiguous loss. The sense that we've lost so many intangible elements of our normal lives that we can't even identify what we're missing. A colleague of mine coined this term to describe situations in which we lose a loved one mentally, but not physically, like Alzheimer's, or vice versa like a military deployment. Right now, the ambiguous loss is cumulative and collective in a very unusual way. It's a loss of the way we have lived, the boundaries between work, home, school, and more. Our plans, wedding trips, birthday parties, and a loss of safety and trust in our leadership. Tragically, Many of us are also grieving the physical loss of loved ones who we couldn't touch or even be near at the end. Heroic doctors and nurses have taken on an additional burden, facilitating video chats between patients and their families so that they can say goodbye. Others are experiencing anticipatory grief, the realization that we could lose our loved ones or if we are alone in quarantine, the fear of losing all direct human connection. Who copes well with such emotions? Surprisingly, it's not those upbeat folks who always look on the bright side. Instead, it is those who cultivate an attitude of tragic optimism, a term coined by Holocaust survivor and psychiatrist Viktor Frankl, which refers to the ability to maintain hope and find meaning in crisis. Today's psychologists call this benefit finding, but I like the way Mr. Frankel described it. The human capacity to creatively turn life's negative aspects into something positive or constructive. If we can learn to regulate our stress through tragic optimism, We have a chance to experience post-traumatic growth. And if we do that together, 
realizing that we are interdependent and in need of mutual support, we may even become collectively resilient. The first step is to identify and articulate our feelings, whether it's to ourselves, our diaries, or our loved ones. Don't just say, I'm stressed. Try to put your feelings into more specific words. If you are not aware and accepting of your own feelings, you may not be able to connect with the feelings of the people around you. You may even shut them down. Instead, try to identify your stress triggers and check in with each emotion. Guilt. Shame helplessness, despair, irritation, anger, inadequacy, confusion, disconnection, loneliness, ambivalence, as well as gratitude, love, respect, and compassion. There are other steps to cultivating tragic optimism, of course, and other important ways we can take care of ourselves and one another in the midst of this unprecedented crisis. All of them become more possible, however, once we know better and can better name and express what we're feeling. I think that's my emotional ambition these days, to better know and better express what I'm feeling. And that's my encouragement to you. I think Esther Perel does a great job of articulating some of the uniquenesses of this moment, the unique feelings that it inspires, but more than that, saying... Listen, you're, she, she connects, she says, if you don't really parse out what you're feeling, if you just lump it into, I'm feeling shitty or I'm feeling stressed out, you may not be as available or accessible or as helpful to the people around you that need you to really understand and, and speak into their lives. So there's this connection between understanding yourself and understanding others. I guess it's kind of a golden rule kind of thing, you know, that, that if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't understand ourselves, if we aren't compassionate to ourselves, we may fail to be compassionate enough with other people and understanding enough with other people. So I hope you see why I thought it was worth ripping Esther Perel off. Trust me. She's like Sam Harris, you know, the, uh, you know, all the, all the really super successful podcasters that I am jealous of. I hope you'll see why I thought it was worthwhile to read that. And I hope it's helpful to you. And uh, again, if you want, if you want to check out the actual essay, I think you'll see, like, I did a pretty good job with it. You know, maybe, I, maybe this will get me some work as an editor, who knows? Um, but it, it'll be on the, it'll be on the, on the show notes for this, for this episode. It's uh it's a big thought that I think she condensed into a short essay. I hope it was helpful to you. And as always, I'm super glad that you're part of this uh, community and part of this conversation. I'll see you next time on Humanize Me.